We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. And I'm sure, like me, the rest of you are still processing what the last 48 hours have been here in the Knicks universe. Uh, Rather than preview the Knicks game on New Year's Day against the Minnesota Timberwolves, here's your preview. They're really good. The Knicks are going to be really... Uh, tough uh, against them with their new potential player, uh, OG Ananobi. Uh, Let's hear more about OG Ananobi instead of previewing (laughs) the Timberwolves. I'm sure my guest could also tell you a lot about the Timberwolves. Joining me to uh, talk about the trade that went down two days ago. uh, Honestly, the biggest trade the Knicks have made since trading Kristaps Porzingis away, I think you'd have to argue. uh, In trading, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, and a second-round pick, for OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, and Precious Chua. We welcome back to the Knicks Film School pregame show, Espar Heaney from uh, North of the Border. We will also uh, do this because I didn't do this last time, S. So could you raise your right hand, please? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Let's do this. Okay. I, didn't, I, so, I didn't know this was part of it. Let's do it. Well, no. Yeah. So obviously, it was speculated that because our teams are suing each other, that oh. uh, <laughs> there the, the, no deal could take place. Now yeah. this is on the record and uh, officially part of the transcript. Uh, anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of <laughs> podcasting. Uh, what a what a day on Saturday, man. If you want to just take everybody uh, through your experience um, when you found out that the Raptors had traded OG Ananobi and had gotten what they had gotten back for him. Yeah. I mean, look, our experiences were probably similar. I was getting ready to go out, you know, enjoy my Saturday. I was about to get some Korean fried chicken for the people who enjoy (laughs) Korean fried chicken. I was about to get that. I hadn't seen a couple friends in a while, so I was going to grab lunch with them. But as soon as I saw the notification, I dropped my backpack and I was on the computer, kind of just working from there. And um, yeah, it, it threw a wrench in my entire day. It probably is throwing a wrench in my entire week following up just because, you know, the outburst, the, the the aftermath of the trade, you got to see how they look on game one and then react to it and overreact to it. But yeah, the trade was, I mean, I was shocked 
just because the Raptors, one, actually made a trade and two, didn't wait until the deadline to make a trade, uh, which I thought was going to happen. I thought they would kind of hold out until February 8th and then any move would happen at that point. But I guess they got an indication that OG wasn't going to be re-signing anytime soon, um, especially in the summer. And that's when or why they made their move. When you saw what the return was, because I, I believe when you were here last time, we talked about how they'd need to be somewhat blown away by it. And that there's, yeah. I mean, who knows what's true in the, the national NBA podcast sphere, but uh, the rumor that the, the Grizzlies offered three per- first round picks for OG and it was turned down when you saw that it was quickly and RJ and no firsts. Yeah. What was your, what was your thoughts? Uh, so initially when the Woj bomb came out, it said draft compensation plus RJ Barrett and, um, and Emmanuel quickly. And I was like, Oh man, if you're getting a first on top of this, this might mm-hmm. be a Messiah jury level fleece right here. We're, <laughs> you know, uh, this is, you know, he's doing a great job, but once it came out that it was just one second round pick along with RJ and Emmanuel quickly, it kind of, it kind of made more sense from both sides. And I, it's funny because I feel like this trade made portions of both fan bases angry and that's how you know it's probably a good trade um, because, because neither team was very, very happy to get this done. Um, but I do think it's sort of a necessary evil, if you will, to get this type of trade done because, you know, I'm sure from Knicks fans perspective, it's getting quickly a home that, you know, can kind of help him flourish into the star that he might end up being. He ends up being a starter on this team, most likely. And I think it's just more opportunity for a guy like that. For OG, you know, he's getting thrown into a situation where one, the Knicks will be competitive. I think he takes them to that next step of contention. Maybe they're not in contention yet. I don't think they are, but like he takes them another step towards that eventual goal. Um, And you, you sort of needed that wing stopper type of defensive minded guy who can knock down shots for you. So it's a perfect pairing, in my opinion. I think it's like the perfect place for OG to be. But yeah, that's that's the initial reaction there. I think that's the the landing spot I've come down on. And we'll go through each part of the deal with, with each player in, in particular yeah. in just a second. But if I could get you to shed a little more of a light on the fan base reaction, because I spent most of my Saturday after finally leaving. I, I told you this before the pod and I, I think our listeners know this. I was at the movies when the, the Knicks <laughs> traded I, RJ and IQ and uh, the thought of giving my wife a Saturday uh, just went right out the window as soon as uh, I, I turned my phone back on and saw the, the Woj bomb and the entire NBA and Knicks Twitter world reacting to it. But part of the reacting to it was you know, the the emotion of you lose IQ, you lose RJ to homegrown kids that the Knicks, you know, I, it's okay to be sad when someone that you that invested in emotionally and that contributed to winning um, is no longer part of your team. And from the Toronto side, I'm curious how much of that existed for OG and I know he was part of the team that went, won the title, wasn't like playing significantly during the team yeah. that won the title, but you know, how much of that existed from the, from the Toronto side? Massive. OG is a fan favorite. Like I, he's going to go down as one of the favorite Raptors of all time uh, among the fans, just because he has an extremely quirky personality. You'll get to know that very, very soon. Uh, he doesn't say much, but when he says, when he says something, it's absolutely hilarious. He has a, 
Kawhi-like demeanor to him in the sense that he just has a quirky personality. Um, and I, I think that's something that you'll notice very, very quickly once he does his introductory press conference. It's just a part of his personality. He's he's also he's not going to answer questions a lot. If it, it, Just to kind of give you a heads up, he's going to give you a very quick answer for almost every question uh, mm. unless it's an open-ended question. So just to kind of keep that in mind. But you can go on YouTube right now and search up OG and Obi funny Raptors moments. And there's like 30 minute videos just on his funny stuff that he does. So he's an extreme personality for them. Obviously, you mentioned the championship year. Uh, he also hit a massive shot against Boston in the 2020 bubble, which was like an all time game winner for them. That's he's right. Been, he, he was the he was the touted LeBron stopper in 2018 when they drafted him and they wanted him to guard LeBron. And even in that series, he hit a bunch of clutch shots. OG has become one of the better developmental stories for the Raptors over these years. You talk about like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. OG is right there with them in terms of guys they developed into the players they are. He's obviously homegrown talent too, right? Like he's been with the Raptors his entire career. It's going to be kind of weird to see him in blue and orange. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's probably the sentiment fans are feeling. There's entire Twitter accounts dedicated to OG Ananobi uh, and just his inner workings and his life. So it, there's definitely going to be that drawback. And it's a... It's a somber day, I guess, because you're letting go of OG. And, you know, from a basketball perspective, their best player, their best defender, arguably their best, arguably the best defender in the NBA wing wise. But um, yeah, that that part of it also kind of rings true where you're missing that wing type defender. And now you're you're probably going to be left trying to replace that for years to come. So that's part of it. You know, Um, that's the initial reaction from Raptors fans. I think after the initial sticker shock of two, again, the human element of these two players that you invested in for so long, no longer being part of your team. And you actually process, at least from my perspective, what the Knicks got back in the deal. Um, I'm with you on just how special a defender OG Ananobi is and talk about the perfect coach for him. Um, Yeah, I can already now. I guess my only concern would be his his injury history. How much should that concern Knicks fans that this is a guy with a surgically repaired knee that is now going to play for Tom Thibodeau? So I had someone else mention that too. Uh, and while I think that is fair, I I feel like his injury history, if you go and literally just look at the the injuries he's had since he's been in the NBA, he has had some of the weirdest, strangest injuries even this year. He cut his finger doing chores and had to miss three games. So there's like there's just these types of random injuries that happen that are inevitable sort of with OG. He got poked in the eye once and had to wear goggles for like three weeks or whatever. Um, And that, you know, that was part of it. He had um, a thigh injury one time, which was not big of a deal. But if you look at his injury history, he actually hasn't had. I believe a single knee injury, like him being out because of his knee, which is a good sign because of the college, him getting his knee blown out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He hasn't had any issues with his knee since being in the NBA. So like mm. to kind of, you know, make it a little bit easier on you guys, I would suggest for you guys to go and look at OG Ananobi's injury history. Just look at the things that he's been injured for. I mean, we talked about him not playing for the championship roster. You know the reason he didn't play? His appendix burst. 
in the playoffs. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just the most random injuries you can possibly think of for a player. Uh, And yeah, sure. Maybe that's like partially his bad luck or whatever, but it's not something to do with the knee. So I I think you're good in that regard. I think you, you should be, you know, rest assured, if you will, that he will be healthy and ready to go for playoff time. I think I speak on behalf of Knicks fans that were invested in IQ and RJ that if you're trading both of them for someone that I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to be able to extend, which it's, I I saw this got brought up yesterday that the risk of trading for OG when his impending free agency is looms. I just, I don't think the Knicks make this deal without significant confidence that they're going to be able to resign him. And there's, I mean, it's become a running joke that we just embrace at this point. His agent is the Knicks president of basketball uh, operations uh, son Uh, between Sam Rose and Leon Rose. I think over, any of the next holiday dinners that exist. It's like, can you pass the salt and also uh, three yeah, years, what, whatever, three years, 120 for yeah, uh, yeah. Over, whatever the deal ends up being. Although the, the Jake Fisher report, yesterday, I don't know if you saw that, that he would take somewhat less uh, of a, somewhat of a haircut for, to sign with the Knicks that it was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like special circumstances. I don't know. So if, if I could like, we'll wrap up the OG part of this, like, the extension in Toronto, because the last time we spoke, it seemed like you were confident based off of what you were hearing from Toronto yeah. that his future would be that they were like, whatever offer you want, we would potentially match it or exceed it. And did from the extension talks with, with Toronto or even just re-signing with Toronto, the direction that went, um, if you could shed light on that and why it eventually be, went to the point where Toronto was like, All right, you know what? We should try and get something back for him. Yeah. From what I heard, uh, it was still that that was the case. Even when they were about to make the trade, it was like, we will still sign you for whatever amount you'd Mm. like. But I think there was a desire for him to one, go somewhere else um, and try something new. And I think there was a level of desire for him to obviously play in New York, play in a bigger market. And on top of that, I think maybe he thinks there's a role for him offensively a little bit more in New York too, compared to Toronto where Scotty's going to have the ball a lot of times. Obviously Pascal's going to have the ball. Who else maybe quickly will have the ball a lot. Of, and there wasn't that much of an on-ball opportunity for him in, in um, Toronto. Will there be that in New York with Brunson and Randall doing the ISO ball too? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe you're, you're better <laughs> at telling me that than you know anybody else. But um, for the most part, I think even going down to the wire, the Raptors were committed to paying the guy, but I think there was just a desire, maybe an indication from his team that they weren't, they weren't going to be re-signing in the summer. So, so you mentioned the on ball ball role that he may potentially want. And like he is replacing a ton of usage, like the next second, second ish, but really more their third and fourth usage guys in Emmanuel quickly and on RJ Barrett. Um, do you think that he can do better with a like? That's what I want to know. Like, I think a lot uh, okay. of Knicks fans see this as a guy that can play off of Julius and Brunson and yeah. be a more honorable jump shooter than RJ Barrett, while mm-hmm. also recognizing that, like, if he just slides into the RJ Barrett role right now, then he's running the second unit. And I, yeah. I, I'm curious from your perspective, can he be the focal point or the the playmaker of a second unit? All respect to RJ, 
Canadian born Mississauga zone. I know he has a lot of fans of the Knicks fan base as well. Probably hate to see him go, but what you thought RJ would inevitably be is what OG actually is. Um, He is the three and D prototype wing. Excellent at shooting the corner three. Excellent at being able to knock down shots. Um, I think ultimately that's his complementary role offensively is just a guy who can spread the floor, but he's improved as a post playmaker. He's improved as a, you know, kind of drive and dump off type of player as well. So he's good at attacking closeouts. Um, He's great at finishing at the rim. Like just, just his brute strength. You'll find out very quickly. OG is one of the strongest players in the NBA. So like he will be able to finish through anybody And I think that kind of goes to the whole bully ball thing the Knicks got going on anyways. Um, It's going to work really, really well offensively. In terms of the on-ball reps and his opportunity to maybe expand his role offensively, um, there have been mixed results for the most part. Uh, like If there is a guard there beside him funneling him opportunities, let's say like he's he's like curling off of a pin down, he catches it mid to high post, and then he has to make a decision with it, maybe go one-on-one. That's something he can do. And he's actually improved a lot in his like long mid-range shot. I think he's hitting a career high in his long mid-range shot this season at like 55% or something like that. But Mm. um, that's an area where he's growing and developing. How much? That's a question. And like, how often are you going to rely on that as your immediate source? It's pretty inconsistent on that front. But everything else is consistent. The shooting is consistent. Obviously, the defensive side of the ball is extremely consistent. Um, although admittedly over the last couple of weeks, he has kind of fallen off on the defensive end, but I'm wondering if that has to do with the, Hey, I'm about to get traded. <laughs> so I don't need to try as much thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look in, in OG, what the main sell here is that he is going to be your defensive stopper. If you have to face Jason Tatum in the playoffs, if you have to face Joel Embiid in the playoffs, if you mm-hmm. have to face. So that, that that's why he's such a versatile player is because you can sort of throw him on, on, on Embiid and be comfortable with the results. You can do that with Tatum. You can do that with KD. You can do that with Donovan Mitchell. He's done that for. So the the range, the wide range of the types of players that he can guard on the defensive end makes the Knicks already dynamic defense, even that more dynamic, which is it's going to be awesome. I think the two things that stand out from everything you just said, I mean, first of all, just much love to RJ as well. Um, you said the word consistency several times, and that is not something exactly. Yeah. I think even the even the most passionate of RJ supporters will admit that we got with with RJ. Well, consistency maybe the in the wrong way is probably what we more got from RJ Barrett over the past four and a half years. Um, and I, I was curious about the the defense, because just from uh, there's no real good defensive analytic to to really quantify what someone is, but if you go to dunks and threes and look at their defensive EPM and like the last two years were off the charts and deserving of all defense votes, and this year it seems more league average than yeah. anything. And I I assumed that it was because of the situation it, in Toronto. It had to have been. It had to I, have been. Yeah, you're more confirming that, which is I think honestly more. Con- uh, comforting to any Knicks fan that might be concerned uh, that what they gave up might be for a player that had fallen off. I thought like the 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 switch that might get flipped um, when he when he comes here might be it's something that we see. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, as far as what the Knicks gave up, let's start with Emmanuel quickly. And I think the the question I want to ask you from... when you were here last, you talked glowingly about quickly in the potential that he was the return for OG and Anobi. And of course, I saw the the exchange you had with Benji. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That this was something that has been in the works between Nick's <laughs> Films Pool and, and you in the in the past. Um, the question I'll ask, in your opinion, who got the better player yesterday in the trade? Which team? Right now, right now it's OG. Right now okay. you got the, but two, three years from now, we could look at this and say this was the Emmanuel quickly trade. Um, I'm, I don't think that's like a, a, stre- a stretch of the imagination, whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't think this is something that's as quickly becoming a star or like an all star level player to me isn't as crazy of a take, to be honest with you. Some people, I've, I've had this conversation over the last 24 hours of like what his potential ceiling is as a player. And there's wide range of results. It's like, oh, he's mm-hmm. he can be a a good six man for you. Oh, he's going to be a good starter for you. Oh, he's going to be the next guy in the NBA to take a leap. Um, I probably fit in the latter boat in the sense that I do think he's going to be that next guy to take a leap in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can confirm nor deny that. But like from from when I watch Knicks games, I look at this guy who is offensive dynamite, both on and off the ball can work well next to other guards. I think he's going to be a perfect pairing next to Scotty Barnes and dribble handoff situations. Um, just being this guy who can be a pick and roll threat for them. He serves all of those things for the Raptors. And now he's going to be given the opportunity to do it. You look at his per 36 numbers, you look at the numbers he's had when he was a starter. Those are all star level numbers, like 22, five and five, great efficiency. Like, I don't know. To me, that jumps out as a guy who can take that leap and maybe in a couple of years, we're saying this is actually the quickly trade versus the OG trade. But that's me selling it from a Raptor side. So I'd love to hear from your perspective what you think. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. The This was not the RJ trade. I'll tell you that much. And yeah. um, quickly, it's not even that he's been a polarizing player with the Knicks. It's that his usage, like how he's been used, has been polarizing. And there right. is a camp that's like he's taking advantage of backups. He is he's in the perfect role for him. The spark plug across uh, coming off the bench. I also subscribe to what his per thirty six numbers were. I also remember last year that he was so good filling in for Dalen Brunson when Brunson was yeah. out and the twenty one starts that he had last year that that apparently disqualified him from the sixth man of the year conversation. <laughs> and it's why Malcolm Brogdon won. So he was so good as a starter that he couldn't be the sixth man of the year. Tells me there's a good starting point guard 
in there. I wonder about his playmaking if when you're actually the engine of an offense, can you distribute for other guys? And I mean, yeah. 22, five and five is good. And maybe next to Scotty Barnes, that's perfect because Scotty can kind of be the engine that runs the offense and he can be more of a CJ McCollum type right. role. But the, the, the player that I thought made the most sense as far as comparing him to, I want to give a shout out to, to XJ, one of our, uh, one of our contributors. Um, he, he compared him to Fred Van Vliet, that it was like Van Vliet had this role coming off the bench for the, that title team. And then yeah. when Lowry yeah. left, you saw what him with more minutes and more usage and just a bigger role was and eventually became a guy that got maxed out by another team. Now, right. we can argue the merits of whether a team should have given him some contract, yeah. Yeah. but that's the type of leap that potentially could exist for Emmanuel quickly with a, a bigger role and more minutes. And look, I, I think that's my fear today is that um, the Knicks' refusal to give him a chance just just start him for a little bit and and right. see what this looks like. The numbers with him and Brunson were off the charts. The numbers, I mean, this season, the four-man pairing of Josh Hart, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, and uh, Jalen Brunson in like the 350 possessions they were on the court together this year was like plus 25. So wow. we were at the point where... Th- it's funny that all of this happened this week because I had come to the point, I think a lot of us had come to the point where it was like, this should just be the starting lineup. Like, Mm-hmm. RJ's feelings well, aside, especially after Nintendo's, the OKC game, right? Especially after OKC the OKC game, game which, which was, I watched, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, he, yeah. he goes off in that fourth quarter and then, you know, Tibbs subs him out and you're like, whoa, what is, yeah. what, how did that, you know? So the thing about the OKC game, which is why I think this week has, and I'd love, I cannot wait for the behind the scenes. Look at this. Whoever is able to get the behind the scenes, look with the yeah. Knicks. But like, it felt like as the for the fan base on the outside, we had reached a tipping point where it's like, you can't, this can't be a 24 minute a game player. And with RJ, as we transition to him, it also seemed like we had come to a tipping point. I don't know how much you've dove into his numbers since his first seven games. Um, so he has got off. Great. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, do you watch uh, on Amazon the show, the boys? Yes. Yeah. I okay. Do. I call his first seven games compound VRJ. Because he was taking the superhero gene, and so he, he just, was he was a train when he was doing the compound V, and then right quite after literally he, something <laughs> happened to him the first seven games. He was oh, dishing, man. he was penetrating and kicking, and yeah. like the the decisions were correct. The process was great. The three point he was shooting fifty percent from three for the yeah. first seven games, and it was like if this is the RJ here to stay, then the Knicks are in a different tier. Then he went out for a couple games with some migraines, and when he came back it was the worst stretch of his career. It's an 18 game stretch or 18, 19 game stretch where he had a 26 usage and a 43 effective field goal percentage that, that type of usage with that paired with that type of effective field goal percentage, the only player to do that over a full season over the last, uh, I believe 10 years is the search I did is Kobe, his last year in the league. So that's how bad RJ was playing tour date. Kobe, where it was just a, an attraction. Hey, come see Kobe. He's going to be awful, but you're going to see Kobe for the last time. Oh and we had really reached a tipping point where it's like, you can't keep playing this player the minutes that you are, giving him the uses yep. that you have. And Tibbs then inserting him back in, into the game for length, it's like something's going to have to give here. Now, yeah. I don't know if you need to like restructure your whole organization for Emmanuel quickly to find minutes. That I think 
can be where reasonable minds disagree. But I, I, I guess I'll ask you, like, getting RJ at this point, like, how is he being viewed as a return? Like, mm-hmm. like knowing how much he struggled. I know he's going home. That's a great story. But he's playing the worst basketball of his career at the moment. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I think from a marketing PR perspective, the Raptors probably love it. Get to sell a bunch of tickets. You bring in Canada's own. He just won a bronze medal. All of that. He's going to the Olympics this summer. Like all of that is going to play into, hey, come watch the Raptors play. We've got a Canadian on the roster and his name is RJ Barrett. And he was called Maple Mamba in high school. So like, come watch, right? That aspect, I think, huge win for the Raptors in being able to sell tickets in the post-Pascal Siakam era and how they're able to kind of brand this team, right? With Scotty, with RJ, with Quickly, with Grady, whoever they end up putting alongside those guys. How he's actually going to look on the court and how he fits into this roster, especially if Pascal isn't being traded, that's also TBD, who knows? But at least in this next six weeks, with Pascal being on the roster, the spacing is going to look wonky if he is your starting two guard. I think there's more of an there's a better idea of him maybe coming off of the bench and being a sixth or seventh man. Now, is that something that they envision? Is that is that in play? That I, by the way, he's never come off the bench with the Knicks. I don't think so. I don't okay. think that that is in play. I think that is probably a suggestion I would make in the coaching room, and then I would be called an idiot because they would say. That's just not going down. He obviously is a starter level player, et cetera, et cetera. To kind of shoot him some bail just for Raptors fans. And I bet Knicks fans are probably thinking, oh, my God, don't shoot this guy any bail. He's 23 years old. So you're Uh hoping that whatever whatever he needs to figure out in his career to get to his prime, which will eventually be like 26, 27 years old, he'll be prime R.J. Barrett, right? Whatever he needs to get to that point, he will inevitably get in Toronto, whether it's being back home, whether it's the, you know, maybe like him being in Canada helps his shooting touch because he was great in the summer for the Raptors, if not for the Raptors, for Team Canada in terms of the shooting. Who knows, right? At at a baseline level, he's a rotation guy. He's a guy that you can throw into the rotation. And the Raptors just did not have enough rotation players, enough enough depth, to be honest with you. Um, and I guess that's sort of my question with, you know, Precious Tachua and Malachi Flynn, because towards the end of their Raptors careers, they were out of the Raptors rotation and the Raptors have one of the worst benches in the league. (laughs) So that kind of goes to show you, you know, how much they trusted a Malachi and how much they trusted a Precious Achua. To be fair, Precious, there's actually a lot more potential there. And I think Tibbs is a guy who can really tap into that. But for RJ, just being able to get another rotation player, maybe potentially a starter for the next couple of years, I think that's something you can hang your hat on. But for the most part, he's just, he's sort of salary <laughs> that, that made this deal work, you know? And that's the, that's the, that's the brutal truth, unfortunately. So, yeah. so it's, it, it's very funny that uh, there's the, mm. well, <laughs> one, one of our hosts got in trouble for calling RJ salary filler before the playoffs last year. And oh, okay. the RJ yeah. hive was like, how dare you? And then RJ yeah. had the playoffs that he did. And it was like, you called this guy that's helping us win playoff games salary filler. And then mm-hmm. the compound V version of RJ happened. And it was like salary filler, huh? And then he <laughs> had the next 19 games and then was salary filler in a trade for OG Ananobi. Um, yeah. The Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but um, Malachi, I mean, the Knicks now need a backup point guard. They're going to give Deuce McBride their 
that they just gave a, a decent extension, extension to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think between him and Malachi, they'll compete for the backup point guard spot. And I'm not sure how much you've watched. Oh, well, you just watched the OKC game. So you saw that Taj Gibson is getting minutes at the moment in life yes. after Mitchell Robinson. So I assume Precious Achua also will have a chance to be the backup center at this point. I love you, Taj. We, we appreciated what you were. Um, we have a different OG now, and he can <laughs> probably still play in an NBA rotation. Um, say, let Nick fans know what they're getting in Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua. In Malachi, you're getting a project uh, in the sense that he is a backup point guard. I'm hoping, you know, I had the chance to interview Malachi last year in March uh, and he had kind of voiced that he was looking to maybe have a fresh start, right? Maybe get to a new spot. Uh, And I think there's a potential for New York to be that. Um, If there is more pick and roll reps for him to be a pick and roll playmaker, there weren't a lot of pick and roll reps for him to be that in Toronto. They had asked him to be more of an off-ball guy, catch-and-shoot player, especially because of the lack of three-point shooting on the team. They needed other guys to space the floor. Malachi actually shot the ball really well this season um, and showed his ability to make more decisions off of the catch, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a world in which he looks better in New York than he did in Toronto. And if you're pairing him next to guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, even next to Precious as like these pick-and-roll guys who throw a lob up to them, et cetera, I think Malachi can be decent. Um, will he beat out Deuce for the backup spot? I'm not sure because Deuce just got an extension and I'm not sure if Malachi is going to be getting that same love in the summer. Um, for Precious, you're getting a player that on some nights will look like a potential all-star level player. And on some nights, he will look like one of the worst players in the NBA. It's just it, It's just the way it works with him. His decision-making is extremely sporadic. So putting him in less decision-making type of roles probably will help. I think the Knicks will inevitably do that. They're not going to ask him to be this high post playmaker that the Raptors asked him to be this year. Uh, So it's more just like dive to the basket, rebound, defend the hell out of the ball. And those are three things that Precious is really good at. Uh, You're going to be shocked about how good of a defender he is. Like the Raptors probably gave up their two best defenders <laughs> in 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 this trade. Uh, so I think you're going to be very, very surprised with how good Precious is as a switch big, just being able to switch out onto guards, being able to switch out onto like wing players and guard them well. Um, and I think that will be part of, if the Knicks need a stop, you put Precious and OG on the floor type of thing with whoever else you have. Um, and yeah, he'll do that. So good luck with Precious because it's one, some nights he'll look incredible and some nights it just, it will not be that at all. You know, this feels like a Tibbs project where, you know, I'm curious about his rim protection. And I think we'll, we'll just see that, how that plays out over time. Yeah. But like New Orleans Noel came here, <clears throat> Tibbs first year. And got like all defense votes. And we didn't know if Nerlens Noel was a rotation player at the time. Right. But it was, he was so good that first year that he got in, a, a re-signed to a three-year deal. And it aged horribly. Um, <laughs> but the point was like that first year, uh, like Mitch also got hurt that year. Nerlens Noel was starting playoff games for the Knicks. And it was like, okay, yeah, the defense hasn't completely fallen off a cliff when, when you put him in there. And I'm curious if just specifically as a backup center, if Achua can can fill that role, and of course we'll we'll see what happens over the next days and and weeks to come. Uh, two things before I let you get out of here, we can make them really quick. Okay. What's next for the Raptors? Because 
like this is the the first domino I think of trade season. Obviously, the James Harden trade happened. I argue that was yep. an extension of this off season finally ending. But uh, the, the Ananobi got traded. There's uh, of course been speculation about Siakam, and you know I, I I I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound, but because OG and some rotation pieces got traded. The longest losing streak in NBA history ended last night. And <laughs> I'm curious if Raptors fans seeing OG leave, knowing that uh, Pascal might be coming, uh, might be leaving soon. If there's an expectation that like, this is going to start to go a certain direction this right. season. So if you can tell yeah. us what that direction might be. Okay. So I, I do think that, there is an, a Pascal trade that's going to happen in the next, you know, six or whatever, however amount of weeks left until the trade deadline. Uh, what that trade is, what it brings back, big question, no idea. Um, and and I have, there's obviously the different teams that have been mentioned, the Pacers, the Kings, the Hawks, even the Mavericks yesterday were mentioned. And you look at that and say, well, the the players on those teams, maybe some of them can help. Maybe there's a prospect or two. Maybe there's a rotation player or two that can help f- fine-tune this roster, make it better. What I've heard and the indication that I've gotten from the Raptors almost consistently is that there's no, there's no intention to tank or rebuild. They are not trying to tear this thing down to the studs, start over with Scotty and IQ and Grady and RJ and whatnot. That's not what they're trying to do. They are trying to stay as competitive as possible while also retooling around Scotty, who is turning into an all-star level player. So how are you going to accentuate Scotty's strengths? You know, you get a guard like quickly who can make decisions, who can shoot the ball, pull up threes, et cetera, off ball as well. You get a guy in RJ who technically, hopefully at some point will be a three and D player that can be consistent on both ends. And then you have guys like Grady Dick who are, you know, three and D project who can potentially end up becoming a really, really good shooter in this league. You have a guy, um, you know, eventually that you probably want to move in Yaka Pirtle for a different type of center. So they're trying to stay competitive through this whole change of the guard, if you will. And what they do to make that happen, how competitive they're actually trying to be, to be honest with you, still TBD on both of those questions. So I just know that they are going to move Pascal. What, who, why, those are the questions we're waiting for. And that's, they're going to try and stay competitive. And so that means that they're like disregarding the fact that they're the pick is top six protected. You're saying, I think their goal is to let that convey this year uh, and let that turn into you, uh, a San Antonio Spurs top 10 or 13 or whatever pick. Um, and so that they could have their draft stock in 2025 when Cooper flag is coming. And in 2026, when it's Cameron Boozer and Koa beat and all those guys. And it's like, they're probably, I'm assuming just because of the, the weakness of this draft, you know, whatever that they would rather it convey now than have it be hanging over their heads in 2025 and in 2026 when it will also, by the way, be top six protected. So you don't want to do that in the second year of your retool. You can do it in this initial year when you still have a bit of a foundation. Maybe Pascal helps you helps lead you to a couple more wins in these six weeks to kind of keep you afloat until the final stretch of the season. Yeah, that never, I think, gets factored into these 
not, not like you said, retool is probably the better word. But when teams start to tear it down, there's the assumption: let's be as bad as possible. Let's get as high yeah. a draft picks as possible, especially if there are pick protections. This is what happened when the James Harden trade from Houston happened. It was like, well, this pick is top four protected, and like there, there's talent at the top of this draft, and for a draft like this, it doesn't seem to have that clear yeah. blue chip prize. Let's just have the pick convey this year and then it's done. And I'm, I'm, you know, that, that's a, that's an interesting wrinkle to the different NBA transactions yeah. that we've seen over the years, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why getting this pick, uh, the second round pick this year from you guys, technically from Detroit, which it'll be, be the like, 31st pick in the draft. Yeah, it'll be the 31st pick in the draft, which a lot of Raptors fans are selling as essentially a late first, uh, <laughs> which is so we were reviewing it. And it's honestly, <laughs> if you want to look at it, it, it was the first used to get OG Ananobi as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Last thing, and this is where my investment in Emmanuel quickly comes into play and my belief in his ability in Toronto. And I just, I saw the comments from Dennis Schroeder last night after the game that he was uh, concerned about the buy-in to the system that the new coach put in. And uh, this is a guy that uh, just recently had gotten taken out of the starting five. How soon before Emmanuel quickly could potentially be the starting point guard? Do you foresee that this is going to be a right away thing that quickly will come to New York, excuse me, come to Toronto and be the starting point guard? I would be very surprised if he's not the starting point point guard on the first day. Um, wow. And I think, I think, I think Raptors media has made a case to say, if he isn't the starting point guard in every single press conference, they will be asking why he isn't the starting point guard. Um, I think the Dennis Schroeder experiment is great off of the bench. He is doing enough off of the bench to, you know, he's done that for 10 plus years. Like he's made a career out, out of feasting off of second units and like being that crafty point guard to help, you know, provide a spark. And quickly, you got a young guy, you want to see him grow. You want to see the pairing with Scotty grow and develop too. That is what the Raptors fans want to see. That is what I think the front office, to be honest with you, wants to see as well. So I would be surprised if he isn't a starter. RJ, on the other hand, I'm kind of like he should. He probably will start, but should he start? Um, and that's, I guess that's a question for another day. I am fascinated in both camps and what yeah. quickly looks like as a starter, um, what another team tries to do with RJ Barrett. And look, like... As a farewell to both of them, there is a joy that Emmanuel quickly plays with that Toronto fans are just going to love. Yeah. Um, when he gets it going, it's one of the more fun experiences because it comes in flurries. And I I think the fan base is going to love him because we absolutely loved him here. And to RJ's credit, like 
ups and downs happen with with certain players and boy did he have some some downs but the ups did exist like i'm not going to pretend like there wasn't like a 40 game stretch two years ago where he had averaged 24 game um i'm not going to pretend that he wasn't instrumental in them winning some playoff games last year yeah and to the to the uh, citizenship side of things, uh, this is the perfect place for him to go uh, rebuild himself. And I, I, I don't think it's just because of where he was born. I do think the Raptors are a good organization that will do their their best to put him in a position to succeed. So there is a chance that in the short term, this is a win win for for everybody. At least that's what I'm hoping because I, I I do hope these these kids have you know good futures and in, in their next stop. I think Knicks fans will also fall in love with um, with OG just because of the tenacity that he brings on defense. He's going to uplift that defense to another level. I mean, they've yeah. already been good this year defensively, and I know Mitchell Robinson is out this season. But I say post Mitch, it's been an, it's been an experience, which is why you saying Precious is good defensively. He's like, oh, maybe that maybe this is more than just one player coming to help. This yeah. could be two players coming to help. And and as far as Precious, he's going to love New York Fashion Week whenever that is. That guy is a star <laughs> in the fashion department. You guys will find that out very quickly. Um, it's tough for for Raptors fans too, man, because OG was was a guy that they developed, and Precious was the main piece in the Kyle Lowry trade. So you look at that and you say, well, yeah, you, you, that's that's it for that era, right? For that moment that the Raptors had, and there's clearly a new direction here. There's clearly a new vibe. They're trying to change whatever identity that they had beforehand, which is going to be very fascinating to see how it looks over the next couple of years. Well, lot to look forward to specifically at 2024. That's for sure. Uh, S, thank you so much for joining me to to have this conversation and talk about uh, pretty the, the, the opening of trade season and a pretty monumental yeah. trade for, for both of our franchises before you get out of here one more time to the fine folks at home where they can find you. Yeah, uh, check me out on Twitter at Just Barahini. You see it on there. Uh, you can also follow all everything we do at SDPN Sports. I do some writing for Forbes, some Raptors Republic stuff as well. So you can check that out as well if you'd like. Appreciate it. And I'll I'll plug something. Right, maybe like a, two weeks ago, you had published a conversation, an article you had done with RJ Barrett's father. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, that was was really revealing. Honestly, when the trade happened. It was one of the first kind things of I funny, thought of. Right? Yeah, it's it kind of funny, like, right? Yeah. You know, like Canadian royalty is now yeah. like the, the prince is literally coming back to the kingdom of a place where yeah. the Barrett name seems to really like it meant something here in New York because he was a third pick. It means significantly more in in where he's now going. So yeah. um I wish I wish RJ and IQ and you the, the best <laughs> of luck ex- except when they play the Knicks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then I already then know that the first first Knicks Raptors game, OG is gonna shoot like 10 of 10 from three and knock down all of his shots and score 40 or whatever. I just it's just inevitable. That's the type of stuff that happens to the Raptors all the time. If only you knew how equal the fear is that like <laughs> compound the RJ is going to come back quickly. He's going to score 35 <laughs> uh, and it'll be, it'll be like, Oh, this is exactly what, what we, we know exactly what this looks like when it's working. Um, yeah. And can I, I, so I, can I just yeah, add something real quick before we go? So I saw a lot of Knicks fans being like, man, I hate this trade. This is awful. I can't believe we did this. There was a really resounding thing. And to sort of try to alleviate that as much as possible, OG isn't the guy that's going to take you to championship contention, but he is the next building block that inevitably will get you to championship contention. You you look at the pieces that you still have in play, 
the picks that you still have in your asset pool to be able to go out and get another player eventually if you would like to. Uh, there's still contracts available to you in an Evan Fournier, in an Julius Randle to potentially move and do something else as well. I think the Knicks have positioned themselves extremely well to be a dog in the Eastern Conference for years to come. Uh, so don't worry. I, I like Trust me. Knicks fans, in me, you have a fan. I am a big enjoyer of Knicks basketball. Jalen Brunson is one of my favorite players to watch. So trust me, this was a good trade for us. All right, for us, it was a good (laughs) trade. Yeah, trust me, it's all good, yeah. And then, of course, if you still have the investment in Quickly and IQ, NBA League Pass makes it possible. Yes. Uh, I said Quickly and IQ. Quickly and RJ. That was a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> in these two players, uh, we'll, we will now be tuning into what's on our Raptors games. I'm glad you said it because we've said it and it may come like fall on deaf ears. Yeah, that, you, like, you know when you get a show recommended to you, but then someone else recommends that exact show and you finally oh, watch it. Oh, someone yeah. else recommended it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. By the that's way, watch I, the boys. That's a, that's another recommendation as far as a recommendation. I love shows. it. Yeah, no, a great yeah. show, man. I, no, we're I, telling I everybody at the, home, watch yeah. the boys. I gotta you watch, watch the, the, the kid one, one, right? I haven't yeah. watched the college one yet, yeah. I'll just say this about the college one. I forget it. It's called Gen V. That's what it's yeah. called. Oh, I, so it's Compound V, RJ, and it's Gen V is the name of the show. Yeah. It is. It is every bit of boys. <laughs> is what I will say. Okay, we have got right. off the rails. Thank you, S, for joining me. To everybody at home, uh, as far as uh, you know, what to do five star rating and a review, both to uh, all the places where you got to go. Um, I will be back to preview the Bulls game on Wednesday with someone who actually is covering the team that the Knicks are about to play. But until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the game tonight and we'll speak with you soon. Peace.